The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Please visit pod617.com to learn about our podcast production services and view our full lineup of shows. Welcome to a wicked mystery. A paranormal perfect storm known simply as Monsterland. The Monsterland podcast is recorded live in an undisclosed location somewhere in the heart of high strangeness, just outside of Monsterland, Massachusetts. And now, here are your hosts. Paranormal author, researcher, and speaker, Ronnie LeBlanc, and the host of The Curse of Oak Island Drilling Down on the History Channel, Maddie Blake. Welcome to the first of what we know and believe to be a long, strange, and wonderful journey into Monsterland and beyond. I'm Maddie Blake. You've seen me, you've heard me, you just don't know me. And with me is author researcher Ronnie LeBlanc. Now, Ronnie, I'm from Boston. Yeah. So I can't I can I can feel my older brother punching me <laughs> if I say LeBlanc. So I'm gonna call you LeBlanc. All right. That's good. <laughs> uh, Ronnie, we're here on the outskirts of Monsterland. Yeah. This is our new podcast. First guest right out of the gate, Ron, uh, Nick Redfern. Huge. Huge. Um, tell everybody a little bit about what Monsterland is sure. and why we're here in Massachusetts. Sure, yeah. Uh, so I grew up in Lemonster, right, in Massachusetts, Central Mass. And um, went away to California for a while, like 10 years, came back. And um, always heard of this area called Monsterland. Now, when I was a kid, we would go and ride your dirt bikes and ride your bikes and hang out with your friends. And there was these power lines and sand dunes. And so kids would go there and party. But then also we would report weird lights in the sky, see these weird creatures and uh, just completely spooked out. But these stories have gone on for years, decades. And as I started kind of digging into this and having my own experience when I was young, um, couldn't believe the amount of cases that were coming out. And people were sitting on them and not telling anybody because of the fear of being ridiculed. Of course. So um, this area <clears throat> that they deemed Monsterland uh, has history kind of going back to 1884 of different reported sightings. And uh, there are cases and encounters that are still happening to this day. Um, the area of Monsterland originally, which is like in southern Lemonster, Lancaster area, has really gotten more developed now with new houses and things like that. So a lot of the activity seems to have kind of migrated about five miles uh, through the power lines to Lemster State Forest, which is like 5,000 square feet. 5,000 square uh, feet. Square of, acres. Uh, square acres. Excuse me. Of yeah. a paranormal perfect storm in a way. Oh, it's, and you've got a military base right near there. Right. You've got Bigfoot. You've got cryptozoology. You've got ufology. UFOs. You've got paranormal. There's some ghost weirdness. Yep. There was a recent... Um, not well, not too recent, but there is a suicide thing we're going to talk about oh, as yeah. this goes on, yeah. a rash of suicides. Um, so in one, and then we've got the Bridgewater Triangle right near us here. Yep. So right in New England, we have a hotbed of all kinds of paranormal activity. And although we are based here, and although we will take cases from Monsterland that are local here, we're going to talk about it all. This is a paranormal podcast, an umbrella. We're going to put everything under the paranormal umbrella. I know some people want to say paranormal is just ghosts. Right. Uh, and that's fine. But to make things easier, we're going to call it paranormal podcast. We're going to talk about ufology, everything, everything, everything that yeah. falls into And you and I are both experiencers, which we will get into as this moves along. We will both tell our stories. Sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, but we have guests lined up right out of the gate. We've got Nick Redfern tonight. 
Uh, we have uh, the producer of The Curse of Oak Island, Joe Lassard, on next week, a show that I work on. Uh, we have the producer from Ancient Aliens on. Uh, yeah. Who else we have? Coming? We got Grant Cameron coming. We have Travis Walton, uh, Robbie Graham, uh, and John Greenwald we're trying to get as well. So there's a lot of cool guests that are going to come on and hopefully can break this a little bit further than what we've been hearing over the past and few years. And we're going to go out in the field. We're going to podcast from actual haunted uh, places in New England and also where there have been sightings, Bigfoot right. sightings. Um, so we're going to be mobile. And that's uh, going to be fun. We're being filmed and we're part of, we're proud to be part of uh, Boston Podcast Network. Pod, uh, Pod 617. They are the best. Awesome. Um, so, you know, we're ready to go. We're both super passionate about this. Right. And uh, we want to be an advocate, a voice for people who want to talk about this stuff but maybe feel like at work they shouldn't or can't. We did a launch party <laughs> recently for this podcast and three or four people came up to us and you can see them laugh. Our producer carries here with, with David in the back, right. and Ian in the back. And uh, people came up to us and it's amazing. They, they laugh and they go, Oh, paranormal. That's so cool. And oh, one girl, remember she's like, uh, well, I think I saw Bigfoot <laughs> and you start laughing with her. And then she starts talking about it. And, and you can tell she saw something. She saw something yeah. and suddenly she's not laughing. Right. And suddenly she is moved. And you and I have both met and spoke to people who are former law enforcement, yeah. um, government jobs who have lost family members, divorces, uh, lost their jobs because of these things. And when you talk to them, their emotion is such that you get caught up in it and you start, we start welling up. It's like this, something is going on here. It ain't nothing as we right, always say. Right. It might be something that we don't know, but it ain't nothing. And you know, they, they don't have that vehicle, that conduit, you know, for that right. conversation. Right. So when they find out you're into this stuff, you yeah. believe in this, you won't believe this story because they have no one else to tell. So I think that's the the beautiful thing about what this podcast is going to be is going to be that that vehicle to kind of help people kind of come out to tell their stories, share yep. their experiences, and yep. and we're we're pro believing in this stuff as opposed to being skeptic. And because it's the first episode, there won't always be this long preamble of what we are and what we're going to do. But <laughs> uh, just by way of background, in case you're just finding us, which many of you are. Uh, my name is Maddie Blake. I'm an actor, comedian, writer. I host a daily radio show in Boston called Maddie and Nick on Legacy Rocker WAF 107.3 FM, weekdays 3 to 7. <laughs> but I come from um, hosting, acting, and writing, and I host a show called Drilling Down on History Channel uh, about the Curse of Oak Island. And Ronnie, I read your book, Monsterland. I'm a mass native. You're a mass native. Yeah. Um, and I read your book, had you on my show, and this podcast was born. Again, yeah. both experiencers. We're both super passionate about this. So that's kind of the background, and we move forward in that spirit of right. uh, believers, skeptical believers maybe, but which actually, let's get to our guest, yeah. Nick Redfern, but before yeah. we do, I have one little rant. Oh, God. Well, really? This episode one, you're going to well, dive into this? If, <laughs> all right. As the podcast, I'll, let, I'll let you go. Okay, as ahead. the podcast moves on, you'll find I like to go on rants. <laughs> but I want to talk about, and I want to see what you think about okay. this. Okay, go ahead, yeah. And this will just take one minute, and then we'll get it to Nick Redfern. Because everyone right now has found us, like, saw Nick Redfern, and they don't right. know who we are. And they're like, oh, my God, just get to Nick Redfern. <laughs> By the way, I'm enjoying a lovely Castle Island mm. local brewery. I have a watch you sit. Mm. Okay, here's my rant. Yes. And for all y'all who are into this stuff, uh, bear with me. But we love to talk about being skeptical believers. There are podcasts in this space yeah. that talk about 
they, their literally intro says, we're skeptical. We're believers, but we're skeptical. We're playing it safe. We're playing it safe. Okay, fine. I understand why we had to be like that. But right now, we are living through a time where this stuff is getting more and more accepted. The government just released videos of UFOs, right. of, 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 of literally military craft chasing, which we've all known for a long time, but they're releasing it to the public now. Right. Major networks. Major networks up. covering it. NPR, they're having these guys on. New York Times doing these articles. And suddenly, local newscasts are not playing the freaking X-Files theme right. underneath a story about UFOs. With so, the weathermen chuckling. and yeah. So here's my theory. Here's my challenge. Here is my great thinkers like me, Ronnie, <laughs> often come up with things like this. <laughs> I think we need to be in the paranormal space, all of us who are into this, mm-hmm. we need to right now, as of one, episode one, let it be marked today, episode one of Monsterland, we need to enter into an era of post-skepticism. Amen. We need to stop saying that we're skeptical believers because the fear is someone's going to say something that's fake and we're all going to believe it and get duped and it's going to set the movement back. Guess right. what? Those people ain't going to believe you anyway. If someone does dupe us, if someone comes up with a fake Bigfoot and we all believe it and all jump on board or a fake UFO or something, we all go, ooh, and it's fake, guess what? It's not going to set the movement back that far because those people don't believe you anyway. Absolutely. And we're in an era where it's slowly being leaked out. The government's already done it. They've already set the bar for us. So stop apologizing. Stop qualifying everything by saying I'm a skeptical believer. Say it proudly. Say, I believe in this stuff. I experienced something. Or my father, like Nick Redford, my father experienced something. Or I've researched this and I've come to the belief that something's going on that you can't explain to me. Don't call me stupid. Say it loudly. Say it proudly. Say, I believe in this stuff because I've been on both sides of that bridge. I've been on the skeptical side and the absolute skeptical side, the yeah. almost atheistic side and the believer side. And I'm telling you, it's much more fun on the believer side. Oh, no question. And if you get burned a couple times, so be it. So start saying it loudly and proudly. I believe in this stuff. Talk about it at work. Talk about it to people that might laugh at you. Talk about it at bars. Now is the time. The government itself has given us this window to start doing it as of 2017. It's like a mini disclosure. It's happening right now. Right. So let's get post-skeptical. Basically, stop being a pussy. Wow. Here's Nick Redford. Wow. <laughs> so, Nick, um, you've talked about synchronicities, things that happen, coincidences when you start into this work. And I want to start off by telling you that when Ronnie and I planned this podcast, from day one, right, Ronnie? Mm-hmm. He said, who do you want? I said, number one guest, Redfern. I want Redfern, first episode, get him. Ronnie gets you, and I'm waiting to hear for the confirmation, right? And in the meantime, Nick, I get booked on Jim Harold's Paranormal Podcast as a guest to talk about Oak Island. And it finally drops. I'm driving home in my car, and I get a text from Ronnie saying, we've got Redfern. Nick's in for episode one. And I go, that's awesome. I hit play on the Paranormal Podcast, and Jim Harold says, my guests tonight are Matty Blake talking about Oak Island and Nick Redfern. <laughs> <laughs> so it was meant to be, Nick. The odds of that. Yeah, well, it's all worked out good. So. Yeah, that's true. It has. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. And stepping into Monsterland. Uh, I'd like to start with UFOlogy. And by the way, on this show, we call, I think we call paranormal everything. Right. Even though there's kind of a thought, a school of thought where paranormal is just ghosts. Yeah. But we're, kind of we're all encompassing we're putting clothes, in a, Bigfoot. Right. Yeah. So in everything you've studied and all the books you've written, Nick, um, 
you're always very careful to say, well, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know this. In ufology in particular, what do we know? What do we know for sure? Mm. Well, that, that's a good question. I mean, what we know for sure is that there is a genuine UFO phenomenon. I mean, there's no doubt about that because there's so many credible reports, sightings, um, encounters, which, you know, just cannot be dismissed when they're worldwide and they've been going on for decades with very credible witnesses. So we know there's a phenomenon, but I think, you know, there's been this angle of, well, what is it? You know, we know there's a phenomenon, but what actually is it? So, I mean, there are multiple theories. I mean, when I was a kid, it was all sort of very much black and white, you know, it was aliens coming from this star system, et cetera, et cetera. But the more I kind of got into it, the more I sort of realized that there were a lot of crossovers between various aspects of ufology and other paranormal phenomena. For example, you know, you would see, um, like, for example, when the Mothman sightings were seen in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, you know, the Mothman's something more along with the, the, the you know, the um, avenue of cryptozoology. But when Mothman was seen, you had UFO sightings and men in black reports in Point Pleasant. Um, and this is what I found, there's this crossover angle into other phenomena, which leads me to believe we're dealing with something kind of like John Keel said, where all of these phenomena somehow interlinked. And maybe, you know, they're from something somewhere right here, you know, in a multiple dimension, that kind of thing, rather than literally traveling from, you know, star A or star B, you know. Mm. Yeah, that seems to be the um, kind of what I've come to the conclusion as well, that there's uh, it's interdimensional. Um, mm. And there definitely seems to be uh, that connection between uh, Bigfoot and UFO sightings, they're seen in the same areas, same hot spots, uh, same time periods. So that's always fascinated me and always, uh, you know, I think more and more people are accepting of that fact too, which is pretty astonishing uh, when you talk about Bigfoot being a, a, almost an interdimensional kind of entity other than a, a flesh and blood animal. Yeah, and I think one of the important things to note is that, you know, for a lot of people who got into the UFO subjects, say, in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, who are still around, um, for a lot of them, there's, there's no doubt there's a lot of resistance to the interdimensional paranormal angle. They just still want it to be nuts and bolts UFOs and mm. aliens coming from this star or that star. And, um, and I think a lot of it demonstrates the sheer strength of, belief systems you know and um but i've never sort of really been much of a fan of belief systems i kind of just mm. go where the evidence takes me which admittedly it means over the years some of my views have changed and for reasons i've never really understood very often in ufology people don't like it when you change your mind on something mm. it's like well hang on you're the guy who says this and she's the right. person who says that but, you know, I mean, if new data comes in that pushes us down a different avenue, well, there's no point censoring yourself, you know. So um, so I just sort of go where it leads. But I think, you know, it's not just interdimensional. I mean, I think some UFOs probably are classified military aircraft we haven't been exposed to yet. Sure. Some could be strange atmospheric phenomena. But the true phenomenon, I think, is probably something that is sort of interdimensional multi-dimensional and is interlinked with 
a lot of phenomena that we wouldn't necessarily think were connected, you know. Let me take a minute to talk about the Boston Podcast Network with Ronnie here. Uh, just a few years ago, Ronnie, podcasting was on the fringe of the media world. We all know that. Mm. Now, there are more than half a million active podcasts. We're on the verge of an information revolution. Uh, working with Pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network allows you and your business to be part of it. Pod617 can produce your show soup to nuts with their professional producers like Kerry here, David in the back, yes. Ian the man at Media Boss, dynamic on-air hosts like us, mm -hmm. radio quality equipment that you can see right here. They produce my show and I couldn't be happier, right, Ronnie? Oh, the best. These people are the best. Working with the Boston Podcast Network means becoming part of a community, allowing you to share in our success as you become part of a professionally marketed platform. Contact Pod 617 to start planning. In the meantime, listen, learn, and binge. Whether you're into music, sports, comedy, business, politics, or the unexplained. You'll find something here for you. Visit pod617.com in Pod We Trust. I think you've been quoted as saying, Nick, in the past that your favorite, your personal favorite thing to pursue is the kind of cryptozoological angle. Uh, and, and you know, you mentioned people not wanting to change your opinions or people believing in nuts and bolts. And Ronnie and I spoke briefly at a, at a uh, Sasquatch conference locally around here, around Monsterland. And I asked the question, I said, who here thinks... Bigfoot or Sasquatch is a, you know, biological entity, a North American great up, and people raise their hands. And I said, and who here thinks maybe it's something more on the paranormal side? And you could see the disdain uh, in 70% of the people pe sitting people the shuddered. <clears throat> And like two people raised their hands sheepishly and looked around yeah. like they were scared. Um, well, I mean, I get that a lot, but I mean, I mean, very often I'll talk about this at Bigfoot conferences. And I can see that 5% of the audience are like well into it and 95 are just sort of cringing. And they're the <laughs> guys who mainly, you know, think we're just dealing with a North American equivalent of an African gorilla. And when I start getting my rants about, you know, portals and doorways <laughs> and synchronicities. <laughs> oh God, Red, Redfern's on another rant. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I mean, there's, a, there's only two, one or two things you can do. One is you're, you know, you don't have the um, self-assurance and you just go along with what the others say, or you stand up and forthrightly say what you think is the answer. And that's the camp that I sort of come from. You know, I'm not going to apologize because I think there's something beyond strange when it comes to Bigfoot. I'm going to tell it as it is. And if people like it, that's great. And if people don't like it, well, that's just bad luck you know <laughs> right nick have you ever had your own personal experience with anything that's kind of cryptozoological or, or ufo encounter by any chance um well i've never not really no unfortunately but i have had a lot of you mentioned at the beginning synchronicities and yeah. i never ever dismiss or ignore synchronicities because i think something interconnected with this phenomenon is trying to tell us something. Yes, agree. So I think, you know, if you have really profound and bizarre synchronicities and you can figure out to some degree what it means and why you're getting it, then I think you should follow the advice, you know, for want of a better term. And so I do get a lot of those. And I find that the more I have them and the more I take notice of them, the more I get. And so I mm. think in some strange way, the phenomenon itself um, sort of pushes us along 
through various different avenues, so to speak. Absolutely. Um, but what got me interested in t when you mentioned about sightings, that my dad was um, a radar mechanic in the British Royal Air Force in the military, and he was involved in several UFO incidents back in the 50s um, where the radar operators track these strange, fast-moving, high-flying objects and uh, fighter planes were sent up and the, some of the pilots saw these balls of light, large balls of light. Others reported seeing things like classic flying saucers and everybody was told after the third night of encounters, you won't talk about this. Mm. And, um, my dad didn't tell anyone about it until I was about 13 and he told me and that sort of really got me on that path, not just because it was my own dad, but also because he was... You know, he's a radar mechanic in the military. He knew <laughs> what radar was and how it worked. So um, that really sort of got me on the path. And pl plus also when I was a kid, um, a trip to Loch Ness, which was pretty cool. You know, and, oh, um, man. You know when you're a little kid looking out for a, a monster on the shore. Oh, it's amazing. Park, you know. <laughs> Nick, I'm glad you segued into that because I want to talk about Loch Ness. Um, I read a book. You, you might have read it. Um, I think it was called Hammer of the Gods. It was the Led Zeppelin biography and they talk about jimmy page's obsession with alistair crowley mm. and uh -huh. there was a really stunning account in that book of his working in magic with a k and they had some sort of late night midnight ceremony and one of the people oh, i think yeah. yes you know what i'm talking about and 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 one of the people's in black sabbath i believe and he became a born-again christian like the day after whatever happened happened and the, and the guy's girlfriend said that there was a black stain left on the pool whatever it was that appeared to them no one talks about it there was a black stain left on the pool there in this guy's house uh, because they were doing Crowley magic with a K again and um, the power of that and you said as a child and since then when you go there you kind of feel something um, I mean do you think the Loch Ness Monster is tied into that type of dark arts yeah i actually do um, wow. so much weird stuff goes on at loch ness i mean the the prevailing theory within the field of cryptozoology is that they are like a relic uh, population of plesiosaurs which are marine reptiles which are around at the same time as the dinosaurs but there's one thing that people totally forget or maybe don't even know when it comes to the plesiosaur theory um Plesiosaurs were like crocodiles. They're, they uh, were reptiles. So in other words, they're not fish where they spend their lives, entire lives underwater. They have to surface, you know, sort of... I mean, if you look at a crocodile, they can sort of take in air and stay underwater for about an hour. Now, if we, if we suggest that plesiosaurs could do that, then let's say there's a colony of 15 of them in Loch Ness. That means all of them would be surfacing once an hour. So that's 15 surfacings, one every uh, every hour. So every 10 hours, there'll be 150 surfacings. Within two days, there'll be 300. In a week, there'll be like um, close to 1,000 surfacings. In a year, you know, it would be tens of thousands. Hmm. So the idea that these creatures would be surfacing every hour you know, for thousands and thousands of times over the course of a year and not be seen more often than they are. Right. You know, there's only a handful of reports a year. That suggests to me they're not plesiosaurs because, like I said, plesiosaurs had to surface and take air. So, but when you look at it, there's a lot of weird stuff. For example, 
Alistair Crowley had a house um, near the shores of Loch Ness called Beleskin House. And he performed all sorts of rituals and rites um, to try and summon up supernatural entities from the loch. Um, there was a researcher named Ted Holliday who start, in the 60s started out believing that the, the Loch Ness monsters were unknown animals. But then he started to get really weird synchronicities himself. His camera would jam also when he tried to take pictures. Um, he had a really weird, creepy encounter with a man in black on the shores of Loch Ness. And um, he took part in an exorcism on the waters one uh, late one night with a priest in 1973. And all sorts of weird stuff happened then. So I'm, I'm inclined to think like Mothman and some of these other weird creatures, the, the Loch Ness monsters are something much more than a flesh and blood animal or much less than a flesh and blood animal. I think there's, I do think there's like a supernatural aspect to these creatures as well. And to further that uh, perfect stew of all this stuff, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, but the readings I've done of a Crowley, he actually drew a picture of the demon or whatever he summoned, and it looks like a gray. He called it lamb or something like that, and it literally looks like yeah. a gray alien. Well, yeah, th this was actually in uh, just before the start of the 1920s, and he was taking part in a lot of rituals which went on, you know, not for hours, but for days and weeks, in some cases months, to try and summon up, again, sort of supernatural entities. And one of them was this creature known as Lam, L-A-M. Um, and if you look at Crowley's own picture, which he drew, you can find it online, it kind of looks pretty much like the, the figure on the front of Whitley Strieber's communion. The only difference yep. being that the eyes aren't solid black, but the head is the same, the pointed chin, the sort of hypnotic look, and the sort of the small shoulders. And for all intents and purposes, uh, lamb was like a proto alien gray mm. so again you know you can find a lot of cases like this where people have had abduction experiences and there seems to be this supernatural aspect to them and um you know invoking things and uh, rather than looking for them in the sky you know and so a lot of researchers who are just fully into the ufo nuts and bolts angle you know, they're sort of sending out messages into space or using telescopes and whatever. And I'm like, well, you got a better chance by invoking one of these things, you know, while you're, um, you know, in an altered state of mind, trying to focus on something. You've got a better chance of seeing something like that than you actually do by, you know, firing your telescope up at the moon or whatever. Mm. Um. Nick, with the latest that's been happening with um, the videos that are coming out of the like the Pentagon and, and all that, I know you've talked in the past about disclosure and how you felt like it's never going to come. We're never going to get there. Do you think that has changed now with the, the recent video releases or do you think we're still kind well, of in that pocket? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to say because I think the problem is we've not seen the full picture of this group and everything that's going on, you know, we've just seen part of the picture so far. But I mean, what I would say, there's no doubt that when this story broke at the, the latter part of last year, um, you know, and this, uh, we, we suddenly found out that there'd been this secret UFO group that had existed for about five or six years and no one knew about it. It was big news purely and simply because 
you know, that, that it existed and no one knew about it, even in ufology. So it does show that UFO secrets can be hidden. Mm. Now, when you have people like the, the New York Times and mainstream media all covering this story, um, I wouldn't be at all surprised that whoever is sitting on all the deep secrets about UFOs did take a great deal of interest and notice of what the media was saying and how the public was responding, etc., etc. So in that sense, I think if disclosure ever did come, then the people who might be in the position to release it um, have a good idea or an indication now how people are responding. Um, but in saying that, the big concerns I have that when people say it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, is the issue of, well, what, what if it's bad news? Right. <laughs> you <know>? um, <laughs> maybe, you know, when people say, well, the, the government, you know, they're hiding all this bad guys. Mm. What if the government's actually the good guys and hiding something that they think, oh, my God, we just cannot tell them. It's best they don't know. Right. You know, that, 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 I think there is this tendency to think the governments are the bad guys, but they may not be. You know, it could just be they know far more than we do. And for whatever reason, they're like, we just cannot tell them, you know. Um, but then, I mean, granted, that's speculation. The, the only problem I have with the uh, disclosure movement is not the possibility that it could come or couldn't come. I kind of got sick and tired of hearing certain people in disclosure and, you know, Excel politics saying, oh, I've been told by an insider source it's coming next year. Right. <laughs> it's coming six months. Or it's coming to, and when next year comes around, well, they've had to push it back. It's next year. It's next year. <laughs> and it's kind of like, you know, that story of the boy who cried wolf. You right. Know, crying wolf. And then when one came, nobody listened and he got killed, you know. Um, yeah, Ronnie does that all the time, <laughs> Nick. He does it all the time. <laughs> Maddie, it's coming next week. Maddie, it's coming next week. <laughs> but, I mean, from my view, it's like, well, if you've got pretty strong evidence that it really is coming next month, tell us. If you're just going to do your old thing of it's coming next year or next year, well, shut the hell up until you've got something. Right. Leave us alone, you know. Amen. Uh, <laughs> to that end, you've I've heard you've talked about, let's go to Roswell. Um, you've talked about that you feel the Air Force in that situation may have not been this bad guy trying to throw us off track that they just didn't know either. Um, your theory on Roswell rocked my world because I'm – quote unquote skeptical. I went on a rant about skepticism. We should be post skepticism before this interview. So that's how I feel. But I do tend to want to believe and, and your evidence was so compelling to me with this whole, you know, um, Asian connection and the testing on the people and all that. Um, where does that stand now? Or do you still feel pretty locked in on that? And what do you say about Roswell? I do. But I mean, ironically, you know, I actually hope aliens did crash at Roswell mm -hmm. because that would actually sort of, you know, vindicate a lot of we do, what we're doing. You know, if the government said, okay, we're going to come clean and they showed us the bodies, you know, stored away in chemicals for 70 years and the, they showed us the remains of the wreckage, even though I'd be proven wrong, I would still be very happy because I'd be like, holy hell, you know, these are the aliens from Roswell. But if I'm honest with myself, you know, and I look at the history and the people I've spoken to and what was going on in New Mexico in 40, you know, 45 to about 48, a lot of weird 
uh, high altitude experiments with people and animals and you know, monkeys and pigs and all sorts of things. And you're bringing over all the German scientists with Operation Paperclip. And when you look at the context, um, you know, and, and put it together with the data that I was given about these high altitude uh, flights with human guinea pig uh, crews, that kind of thing. Um, it does push me down that path. It's now, compelling. Last summer, um, uh, last July, I was in Roswell for the um, 70th anniversary, and I, I literally was public enemy number one. <laughs> Funny. And, uh, which does not bother me in the in the slightest. You know, I've got thick skin. I don't care. Right. But there was, I almost had like two fist fights. I mean, real. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, and um, well, Ronnie and I are from Boston. We'll throw down Nick yeah, anytime. We, we got you, brother. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, don't care. I mean, somebody comes after me, I'll knock him down. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Brit. He fight. All Brits can fight. Uh, what, what what do they say? What do they say to you? Like, uh, what about the metal? What about you know? What are they, what's their main gripe? Yeah. What about the metal? What about this? What about that? Well, what about the metal? How do you? And, and I have to admit, there are some aspects of the story, like the memory metal, which are mm. very intriguing you know but as i say to people just look at what was going on at that time i mean one of the things a lot of people don't know and the rancher matt brazel who found the wreckage um he actually also went on record as stating that he'd found two previous balloon based um devices of the military on the ranch prior to that one this wow. the roswell event on that ranch was actually the third event on the ranch a lot of people don't know that and the, two, the previous two were just weather balloons, uh, just small weather balloons. But it demonstrates that two previous military devices had come down on the ranch. And then suddenly a third one comes down. You know, you have to wonder, well, what are the chances of two military devices coming down on the ranch? Because it wasn't that far from White Sands. Right. And then a UFO happens to come down <laughs> on the same area as mm. two military devices, you know. And so it's things like that that keep me wide open still but as i said the big irony is i would be over the moon if it was extraterrestrial but if again being on you know being honest with people i can only say what i think and whenever i do the lecture i always say look just let me do the lecture and then at the end you know if you got all your questions we'll do it then and let me just tell you step by step as to how and why i think this is the answer and a lot of people at the end said well i'm glad you asked us to wait till the end because having heard it bit by bit step by step they felt that if it wasn't extraterrestrial they felt that was definitely the second best theory of all so. yeah. hmm. um talk about um we talked about roswell what is the i guess the the biggest case for you that says there's something out there that's the most convincing for you on, on the ufo side and maybe even on the on the bigfoot side well, um, it'd be difficult. It'd be difficult to kind of nail it down to one, but I mean, what I would say, I mean, Rendlesham Forest in England—that's a really good one. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's not that long ago, you know, and unlike Roswell, where everybody's pretty much gone, a lot of the guys who witnessed the events back in 1980 were only like 20, which that's so they're only like 47, 57, 58 now. Right, they're still around. There's yeah. going to be plenty of time to keep interviewing them if they live to sort of 80 or whatever. Um, but when you've got, you know, multiple guys seeing these UFOs 
in various parts all around the forest and around the base and you know um, investigations and people being warned and told not to talk about it Rendlesham's a good one and I'm, I'm impressed by the you know the, I don't know if you know it the Cash Landrum one in 1980 in the US in, in Texas, Texas yeah when there was all these um, like fleet of helicopters following this diamond shaped UFO swamp gas Nick reason, it was swamp gas <laughs> yeah, some researchers have wondered if it could have been like um, a secret device and this was like a recovery team. But the location, you know, why would, be, why would you actually be testing something just like 30 miles from the city of Houston, you know? Mm, right. Um, that doesn't really make too much sense. So that one impresses me. And um, what particularly impresses me, if you look at a lot of the us files that have surfaced through the freedom of information act from the 40s and through the early 50s there's some really good reports in those files from from pilots where we clear you know if we were flying disc shaped stuff back in the 50s that could do right and left hand turns at you know 800 miles an hour and hover for 20 minutes we would have been using them in like vietnam or korea or mm -hmm. right so so clearly, you know, the, those kind of cases are the ones that impress me, you know, when you go back far enough, but we can validate them and know that we were not flying anything like that back then. Nick, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. I just want to ask you one last question. <clears throat> With the breadth, you're, you're like the Stephen King of this world. You just <laughs> pump out book after Non-stop. You, you, you're incredible. You're an Iron Man. Uh, and you're always, as I said, very careful to be pragmatic about your approach and scientific. But what I wonder per personally, as a, as a man, Nick Redfern, of everything you've studied, is there anything that keeps you up at night that you might put that Nick Redfern nightlight on a little bit, look over your shoulder? What's the one thing that you keep coming back to and going like, oh, I don't even want to talk about that? <laughs> um. Well, I'm not sort of the kind of person who gets sort of frightened or intimidated. You know, I just do my own thing. Um, I, I guess the one thing that I, I often come back to, you know, is is the Men in Black mystery. I, I mean, I've done four books and I've actually got a new book on the Men in Black coming out next month, which is called The Black Diary. So I, I do often come back to that because I get so many stories from people and they're so weird. You know, they're sort of totally paranormal you know and supernatural and just just so strange so that's that's what i really enjoy um i guess one of the things i sometimes think about are you know these weird things kind of like when you talked earlier you know you mentioned i'm writing about the men in black and then a you know a, a fr picture frame falls off the wall which happens to be connected with the men in black it kind of sometimes make you think what is reality you know are we actually all being manipulated in some sort of weird matrix world that kind of makes me think about things at times you know? yeah and we didn't even get into your new book slender man which i think is a straight up demon i think slender man put that you know people debate about how he created that character he created it i think slender man that's as you've pointed out uh had that form before slender man came throughout time i think he put that in the guy's head yeah it's like an like an ancient archetype so yes like yes uh, Nick Redfern, you're just simply the best in the business. I am honored that you are our first guest. You legitimize Monsterland right out of the gate. Uh, thank you so much, brother. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Nick. Look forward to seeing you hopefully in uh, Lemister pretty soon. All right. Cool. Sounds good.
Thanks. You are listening to the Monsterland Podcast with Ronnie LeBlanc and Maddie Blake. What up, gangsters? From Pod617.com, it's Shawshanked, the podcast. I'm your host, Uncle Buck. Nick Stevens. You want to talk to God? Let's go see him together. Maddie Blake. Come on, do it. Kill me. It's Georgie Kip. This movie has everything. Kiss masks. Lee Trevino. Shawshanked. Movies that you get Shawshanked by. Shawshanked. I guess I just miss my friend. Shawshanked. Make sure to check for new episodes of Shawshanked regularly at pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. In pod, we trust. You are listening to the Monsterland Podcast with Ronnie LeBlanc and Maddie Blake. Now it's time for Monster Mail. So before the episode launched, we had set up some questions to try to get some people to submit their Monsterland mail, Monster Mail. Yeah. Um, just curious if we have got anything plugged in through our Facebook page. We actually did, um, before we even launched our first episode here, people were on our Facebook page. Uh, how, how can people find us on Facebook? So if you go to look for Monsterland Task Force, you can join us and be a part of the whole podcast revolution here. Sweet. Well, we have an email from Ron uh, in Boston, a different Ron. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, he wants to know... Guys, I'm excited for this. He, he goes on to say that he had a sighting and, and all that and wants us to get in contact with him, which we will. And by the way, if you have a sighting or a video or anything you've been through, go to our Facebook page, contact us. We will go out. We will research it. We will talk to you. We'll bring our friends from Squatchachusetts out there. If it's right. a cryptozoological thing, if it's a UFO thing, Ronnie and I know what we're doing. We will help you. We will advocate for you. You can talk to us. Um, but this guy goes on with a sighting, which I won't get into, but his question at the end, I love he says, uh, all right, guys, back to the wall. you got to pick one. What is the greatest slash most important paranormal event in human history? Oof. Now, see, that's, that's... this makes me think we need to do some sort of, uh, you know, online, social media. You know what's never been done? What? You know what's never been done? Is a March Madness paranormal. Oh, I love bracket. I love it. Right? <clears throat> the Monsterland Madness. Monsterland Madness. Oh All right, we're God. doing this. All right, All right, Monsterland Madness. We're gonna make up, we're gonna put it on social media. Okay. So we're gonna come up with uh 16. Let's do a sweet 16. 64 would be I love it. take I love forever. It. We'll do we'll do um UFOlogy on one, you know, from coming from the east. Yep. Okay. And on the west, the other side of the bracket, we will do um everything else cryptozoological awesome. paranormal ghosts anything else you want and we will have a bracket and each week we'll do a new matchup and we'll uh, have a national champ at the end i love this. right I love so it'll be you know roswell in the first round versus yep. you know randlesham or we might separate them so now we can mix anything here right yeah bigfoot sightings uh -huh. ufo sightings. Yep. i love it and we're going to come up with it but all right so to answer ron's question ronnie mm -hmm. um off the top of your head you got to pick one Oof. I, I would say, and this is, I think it's just because it's more personal, because Lemonster in our area is the Betty Andresian. Oh, that's all the whole uh, Andresian affair, um, and where her whole family was in suspended animation. And uh, I mean, there were five different books that were written about her. So I think what Raymond Fowler has uh, put together on her story, I think, is really compelling. That's a good one. We yeah. should go up there, actually, in New Hampshire, and we'll do that mobile. Yeah. Um, awesome. Boy. You know, I hate to be a hack. I hate to be cliche as a comedian. I'd never want to be hack. 
But uh, how can you not say Roswell? Or, you yeah. know what? I might say Rendlesham. Like, Nick, in our interview, was great. Yeah. And he said Rendlesham right off the bat was his, what came to mind for him. Military um, base, twin military base. Plus, Nick Redfern ruined Roswell for me. <laughs> I want to fight him. I'm going to fight Nick Redfern. <laughs> <laughs> no, but his his evidence, and if you haven't read into that, his evidence, it's Nick's evidence about pretty the, compelling. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, as he says, well, you tell me. You tell me what's more likely <laughs> that uh, aliens landed or that this testing that we know happened right. with these Asian people um, that happened after two other balloons had crashed. So right. it's, it's, yeah. I don't want it to be true, but I read that evidence. I go, God damn it. He makes you kind of rethink yeah, it does for sure. Um, so you're oh, going with Rendlesham as your kind of pick. Yeah. I'm going to go with okay. Rendlesham Forest. It's newer. It's more recent. Yeah. No, no. You know what I'm going with? Mm. Mm-mm. I'm going with the recent disclosure. I'm going with the 2017 videos. I think that is going to, I think we're living through something. Sometimes in life, Ronnie, you live through something and you don't realize what you're going through as you how, go through how it. How significant Right, it like is. I remember hearing Nirvana and I was like, eh, they're kind of okay. Right. And then years later, you're like, oh my God, I lived through Nirvana and I blew it <laughs> off. <laughs> right? That's what's happening right now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think we're seeing some unbelievable kind of movement towards some kind of disclosure. I if think I told you happening. five years ago, no. That oh by the way in the summer or uh, winter of 2017 uh, no big deal but uh, the government's gonna release military video of right. fighter pilots chasing something that they can't and we've explain. been doing you'd this be like, study forever what yeah you'd be like get me to 2017 so I, I'm gonna go with the recent disclosure I'll call it I I think that's a good one because when have we seen stuff on CNN seen stuff on Fox mm-hmm. PBS mm-hmm. talking about this whole UFO thing I mean it's Pretty awesome. And I just want to follow up on one thing from that interview with Nick that I didn't, I don't know if I kind of sussed it over too quick, but that whole thing about Loch Ness and Jimmy Page. Creepy as heck. So what happened was Jimmy Page bought Aleister Crowley's house and started practicing this magic. Right. This black magic. Again, magic with a K. It's a Mm -hmm. whole series of rituals. It's it's basically kind of satanic rituals. Um, And one night, as is described in this book, I believe Hammer of the Gods, sorry if I'm wrong, but I believe it was, um, they had some sort of black mass, a, a, a you know, midnight to 3 a.m., which is mm. the Antichrist hour, series of intanca- incantations to bring forth basically what are demons or powers that let you control what goes on here on Earth. Yeah. And according to several witnesses who were there, including the girlfriend of the guy from Black Sabbath, who, by the by after that event, immediately became a born-again Christian to this day, wears a cross, hammer of the gods, thank you, Carrie. Wow. Our producer, Carrie's right on it. Wears a cross around his neck to this day. And uh, again, you and I will go through our yeah. paranormal experiences yeah. later and as this podcast goes on. I had something very similar to this. Um, he wears a crucifix to this day, uh, born-again Christian. Jimmy Page himself stopped talking about all this stuff. He gave up all the Crowley stuff. And the story was that whatever appeared that night left a black stain on their pool to the point where they emptied the water or it might have already been emptied That's but what they could say. not scrub it out so like was it, the it, water still in the pool I, I, you know what it, i i threw that detail in because i don't remember the book okay. but let's just say the water was out of it okay something imprinted on that pool wow a black ashy stain and they sc- could not scrub it out and that affected everyone who was there that night so crowley's Crowley's tentacles, if you will, mm. he might have he might have unlocked this whole thing. Like, because the UFO sightings, you think about when he was doing that, 
calling up Lamb, who, right. by the way, as we established in that interview, looks just like a great. Oh, Carrie yeah. was pulling up pictures of Lamb, and I encourage you to Google it at home. Look up Lamb. Don't invite him in your house. Oh God! But it looks like a gray, and this is in nineteen. This is this is like long time before we started seeing these. It's things. almost like Alistair opened up some kind of a portal. Look at that! Right? Oh yeah, my God! We're just... looking at pictures at Lamb now. It looks like a gray. It's uncanny. And, and 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 this is long before we started seeing flying saucers and gray and reports of gray and all that. So right. Crowley might have opened this whole portal up. That's a book. That should be Nick's next book. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we'll get into that. We're going to do that. We're building our socials now. We're going to have Instagram. We're going to have Twitter. We're going to do this poll online. It's going to be fun. It'll be uh, first of its kind. I love it. All right. That's uh, Monster Mail. If you've got any questions for us, again, go to our Facebook page for now. Yeah, and, and download uh, the episodes on iTunes, please. Yes. Subscribe. Uh, but you can go to Monsterland Task Force on Facebook. Join our group and be an insider here. You know what we should do? Yeah. We should let our professional voiceover guy tell people how they can get on iTunes and get this right now. That's a good idea. If you have dared to enter Monsterland with your iPad or iPhone, please take a moment to enter into your Apple Podcast app and click subscribe. We appreciate you helping us spread the truth. Now, proceed with caution back into Monsterland. Thank you so much for joining us on our first ever episode of Monsterland. We are so excited. I got to thank the people that power this, besides Pod 617, our friends at Team Squatchachusetts right here in Massachusetts. Um, They run the show here in terms of cryptozoological research, follow-up, investigations. They are the best. They are the go-to. John and Dave and Team Squatchachusetts can't thank them enough for helping to... uh, Get this Monsterland podcast up and running. So, How can sorry. we find them? If, if, if you have an, uh, any sort of situation, Ronnie, where we yeah. need to get out there and investigate, how can we find these guys? One of the easiest ways is go on Facebook and look up Squatchachusetts. You can join their group. Uh, it's a closed group. You can ask to join, and you'll be connected with other researchers, other people that have had experiences and encounters. So it's a great uh, group to be a part of and learn more about this whole phenomenon. And this is exactly the type of thing we want to advocate for. Groups like this that'll help you if you feel like you've gone through something and you're too shy to talk about it or too embarrassed to talk about it. Guys like Team Squatchachusetts, these guys are great guys. We went out on a, on a hunt with them. They're the best. And by the way, their track record on hunting is pretty damn good. Oh, yeah. The last group they brought out saw something. Yeah. So uh, yeah. thank you, Team Squatchachusetts. Thank you to our guest, Nick Redfern. Awesome. And have, who, have him on again for Next sure. week, we have, if for those of you who are into uh, mysteries, Unsolved Mysteries, and by the way, a lot of paranormal aspects to Oak Island, which I can speak oh, to very well, fantastic. from Prometheus, the company, the production company that makes Oak Island and Ancient Aliens. We have producer Joe Lassard. We're going to break down Oak Excellent. Island. Uh, we're also going to have someone from Prometheus a little later on talking about Ancient Aliens. That's great. The show Ancient Aliens. As a matter of fact, I think we might have on the guy who created Ancient Aliens. Uh, who else we have coming up in upcoming weeks? So we got Grant Cameron coming on soon. We have Travis Walton, uh, Robbie Graham, and uh, we're talking to some other uh, big hitters as well, like John Greenwald. So pretty excited. <sighs> Love excited. it. Thank you all. Reach Thank out you. to us. I'm at the Matty Blake on social media. At author Ronnie LeBlanc. And by the way, we're available to speak at any of your paranormal stuff. Put us up. Red roof in. We're good to go. (laughs) Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Until then, let's get post-skeptical and keep believing. Thank you for joining us on the Monsterland Podcast. If you or someone you know has an experience to share or if you have questions... 
You can reach us at monsterlandreport at gmail.com. Find us on social media at monsterlandpod. Until we meet again in Monsterland. Thank you.